You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, guys and gals. Episode 500 of Locked On Browns. Uh, just a couple quick things. Look, none of this happens without you guys. Uh, if nobody's going to listen, what's the point of doing it? Uh, and there were times, and I'll admit, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. And part of it was the content to cover. Part of it was how it was, how it was covered. Certainly not when Pete was on, though, of course. Um, but, you know, we found our way through here, and look, two better days for the show, two better days for this franchise, as everybody's excited to embark on the 2019 season. Obviously, no practices today. Uh, you know, uh, training camp, obviously, with the players off after day five. Uh, we'll get to a couple of things Brown-wise. we got a bunch of listener questions. I want some, th- some thank yous I want to throw out. A uh, couple of... Um, Memories of me and Pete busting this out day in, day out. And, uh, you know, I'll thank him at the end. But, of course, as always, you know, thanks to Pete Smith. Tonight's episode, uh, I do want to thank the support for Locked on Browns. Comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Always want them to look royal. Get 20% off in free shipping with the code LOCKEDON, capital L, capital O, at manscaped.com. That is 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, capital L, capital O. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, We're going to break it down here. Your local experts on the biggest stories. Pete Smith in the house here today. Uh, Pete, let's just start with this, obviously, because it was an off day in Berea. Berea, obviously, you got to do a fun thing today with, uh, obviously, the Streetsboro program. You guys all got to go out to the, you know, Canton Football, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, What's it like, Pete? Look, I mean, we're older. What's it like looking at this stuff through, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old eyes? Well, incidentally, though the event was connected to the Hall of Fame, uh, it was actually in Kent McKinley High School, which is right next to it. Okay. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, our you know the, the, we had uh, twenty four kids go. Uh, I think seven high schools were down there. I could be wrong. I saw my back. running back. I saw that. I saw my running back with those thick legs. Uh, um, so, Chris <laughs> and company were all down there, uh, but they got to. Um, hear from some former players, uh, specifically LaCharles Bentley and Roman Oban and Steve Sanders, uh, about, you know, ways to, uh, be connected to the game of football, even if you're not playing it or coaching it in, in different careers along those lines. And, and all of those guys, obviously LaCharles Bentley, uh, has offensive line performance. He does, but he also does some outreach stuff like this. Uh, he, he helped found this organization. Uh, Steve Sanders uh, works for WKYC. Uh, the TV station is an analyst in Cleveland. Uh, he played a couple years with the Browns. Roman Oban played 12 years in the NFL, uh, two with the Browns, and, and, and got a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's an, uh, you know, LaCharles Bentley is jack, but Roman Oban uh surprisingly like in ridiculous shape like for a guy who played 12 years in the nfl you'd never guess it looking at him he's uh he moves around real well and all that good stuff um and then you know we uh, i i and other coaches that went had an opportunity to uh talk with chad pennington uh the former quarter first round pick quarterback for the jets and dolphins who's who's a coach in addition to his outreach stuff in in uh 
Lexington, Kentucky, uh, talking about, uh, you know, sort of the evolving way the game is, you know, certain things that dealing with, with player protection, certain things that are, you know, trying to combat some misinformation uh, in, in regards to, you know, the, the game certainly has gotten safer uh, more than ever has been done to sort of try to uh, put players at any age in a position to succeed. But part of that is, is the, you know, the research is getting more complete uh, and, and that is certainly helpful. For example, like all these, you know, the, the, the movie, the movie I've never watched cause I don't want to watch it uh, about, you know, uh, all those players from the seventies focusing on CTE and all that stuff. The problem is like research has come out like, you know, recently that like they're looking at elderly people and most of them never played football and they've got evidence of CTE. So like, this is one of those things where it's, you know, so some of the information came out so quickly that, oh, CTE is the worst thing ever and, and football causes it and all this, but uh, a lot of things uh, they're finding out cause it. And, and uh, you know, all these different things that are causing concussions, like cheerleading, soccer, basketball, you know, all these sports, uh, and then people who do nothing. In fact, one of the biggest things that they're finding out is the military uh, is bad for concussions because you are effectively taking, you know, if you're on like a bomb range or something, uh, you're taking, you know, concussive blasts uh, to your whole body, uh, and that can do some serious damage to you overall, not surprisingly. So um, just a lot of different things. To, you know, the, the biggest thing they're trying to focus on is to try to make a more common uh, language in terms of teaching things, in terms of communicating things, in terms of making sure that the best possible uh, things are out there to sort of help coaches and players and all of these things, uh, you know, have the best information out there, learn the best, you know, so, so the game can't continue to uh, grow since obviously, you know, in past years, the numbers have taken hits because of all these things that come out and parents are naturally uh, trying to protect their kids and are worried about what's going on. But, uh, it'll, you know, some of that is, is, is fear about the game. And some of that is just options. Like there's a million options for kids. So, so, uh, a lot of discussion about that. So overall it was a good experience. It was very interesting to listen to these different perspectives and it seemed like, uh, the players got a lot out of it. So it was good. Um, and look, and you know, obviously we live in the information era. It was not readily available. Obviously, you know, when I grew up and I played in me, I you know, I know I was diagnosed with at least three concussions. No, that's nothing I do want to see. Um, I've read up on it, and I think for the most part, I think I think I'm okay. I do think I'm okay. But uh, you know, with that movie, no, that's something I never want to sit down and see. And you know, I mean, I know there were times where you know, in, I was like the typical one because uh, I suffered one. I was out for four and a half weeks. Uh, I went about two and a half quarters. It was a sideline route. The ball was high. I got popped, and I took the second one. And you know, the doctor then at the time was like, "Well, look, there's two games left. Uh, our season's over anyway. You're done." And you look, it's. But look, uh, you know, obviously, you want the information. You want it ready available. It's you know now, obviously, with everything with the internet. And back in the days, it was like, well, here, would you like a pamphlet that you can read on this? 
about what concussions do, and there was obviously no mention of CTE or anything of that back in the day. Um, but you know, we're not gonna go, you know, and, and go with the sadness. We're gonna have some fun. It's the 500th. We're gonna have a little party. Pete, um, Baltimore Ravens home game last year. Great. In overtime, Browns squeak out a win. It was Richard Higgins' birthday. Richard Higgins obviously made a big play in that game. Obviously, before he, you know ended up getting hurt. We said at the time it was going to be an issue. Um, Baker and him have this weird chemistry. I, I don't want to say weird, but it's it's just weird in how quickly it came along. And all of a sudden now, you see a lot of big national folks want to mention. And look, you know, it, it, this is not to discredit Antonio Callaway. Look, I mean, he's kind of shut us up to this point. He's kept himself uh, kept himself on the straight and narrow. Had a good rookie year, but Odell came in. This is something, Pete, we were trying to talk about last October. Rashard Higgins, you know, he was a guy that kind of got lost in the mess that was going on. Once you got a legit guy in here like Baker, all of a sudden, a guy like, you know, Rashard Higgins, who had some talent, was able to let everybody know, no, I can play this game. There just wasn't people around to play this game with, essentially. Well, we've talked about this before. I think... Uh, you know, the coming out party for Richard Higgins uh, was certainly getting to play with Baker Mayfield was enormous, but I think coincided with his own career arc and his own development. I think those two things put together are what allowed him to be so successful. It just, because Baker Mayfield was in and he looked see well, three, two, yeah, I mean, they went from a practice squad guy for a minute to, uh, to, to, theoretically being in, in the competition for the second best receiver. And, uh, I, you know, obviously I've said and will continue to say he was the best receiver on the Browns last year if you get into the numbers uh, in terms of efficiency and that stuff. And then I think in some ways, like the national media, is, some elements in the national media are talking about him. I think they are selling him short in that I think – and I think Brendan Leister also pointed this out. He's a lot closer number two than he is to number four. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't think people, really, you know, this, this, there are a lot of elements where people are saying, well, it's, it's Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. And, and I don't think people realize it's a lot closer to Odell Beckham. And then, you know, three, four guys, you know, when you get into Landry Higgins, uh, Najoku, and then, and then Callaway and whatever, uh, you know, form that's going to take uh, I, I think people you know because of the name which is fine uh it's it's a lot easier to sort of accept that Landry must be the sec you know the, the second best receiver because he's the or other quote-unquote star he's making the big contract uh but this will be th- something to keep an eye on is that he you know he and Landry have a lot of similarities in certain respects but they do uh, certain specific things very differently. So, for example, uh, Higgins is very good at creating separation. He's a very technical receiver. He's very good at being uh, at, at using nuanced route running to, to create openings. Landry can do some of those same things, but Higgins is way better on the boundary in the, on the, as a perimeter receiver, and then Landry is much better in, in the slot. And in some respects it's a little more valuable and a little more useful to have it be on the boundary because, you know, Odell Beckham is a guy that can go anywhere. So if you want to put uh, Odell Beckham in the slot to create different mismatches, it's easier to sort of just put Callaway out there as the other boundary receiver. Uh, 
uh, across from Higgins and to create a more explosive lineup where it's, you know, it's easier to sort of account for that matchup than it is to, you know, take Higgins off the field because he, other than Beckham, he's their best boundary receiver and Callaway, you know, can do some things in the slot, but again, he's another guy I think is more comfortable on the boundary, but this is where it's going to be interesting because how is this going to take, you know, take effect? How are they going to sort of find, you know, what they consider home for all these guys? Is, is it going to be as simple as Beckham and, and, and Higgins on the boundary with Landry in the slot and then Joku and tight end, or are they going to move all these guys around to create matchups and that type of thing? So it's exciting to see this because to this point in camp, uh, there's nothing to suggest that, uh, that Higgins won't be successful uh, whether he takes it to another level remains to be seen, but he and Mayfield, no small part because they were both on the second team last year for so much of the camp and stuff. They are, they have really good chemistry and, you know, it's easy to sort of say, well, that's why they have chemistry. But I'm curious to see if any of the other receivers can sort of surpass that. I, I And I don't think it's as easy as just, repping with guys certainly Beckham's going to be Beckham and and he and Mayfield are, are two great players so it's going to work but for whatever reason just the two, the way those two fit together it's a little it seems like a, just a, a little more special uh in terms of how they sort of feel each other out and know where the other guy's going to you know is what the other guy's thinking on any given play and it's not in, and for me, in the, in the receiver, you know, in, I remember back in the day, you know, it'd be in the red zone or inside the ten, and it would be the, you know, you, you're nugging on your, you know, nugging on your shoulder, slant, or you, you know, find some way to, you know, shake your head, you know, face man. But these two literally just, they, they look at the field, they look, it, it, they have such a great rapport together, and you know, the best thing for Richard Higgins, and I'm not saying that that this isn't just Baker Mayfield contingent. But uh, I think he will really, really succeed by sticking around with Baker for as long as possible. And, you know, it's never going to cost you $15 million per, so, but that's always something for another day. But, I mean, you're going to eventually have to find a way to save some money with this franchise. And, you know, Richard can give you that with Baker. And he doesn't, you know, he hits for a high percentage. He doesn't get a high, high target total. But the targets you give him, normally they, they're pretty successful with it. So, you know, Rashard's a fantastic player, and we've been on this, you know, it, it's got to be 10 months to this point. Uh, you know, he's just, it really works well with Baker Mayfield, and you need that guy where you just, you just absolute trust as a quarterback. And it seems like Rashard is that guy. I'm not saying that Odell won't, but in pressure situations, everybody in the building, I mean, everybody on defense is going to be all over Odell Beckham. So there's going to be times where, you know, He's going to go to his money, and his money is Rashard Higgins, and they have a great relationship in that point. Pete's going to tell you about the good folks over at Blue Chew. Um, and, and there's one thing we didn't get to yesterday. that We'll, we'll slip in real quick, a short one, but then we got a bunch of stuff, listener questions and stuff. Right. In honor of Hall of Fame weekend, uh, it's you know it's your opportunity to be a Hall of Famer in, in the bedroom, Hall of Fame with the, Hall of Famer with the spouse. Uh, if you aren't, somebody else may well be. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, the good folks at Blue Chew are, are trying to help you out to be the best you can possibly be uh, to hopefully earn that gold jacket. Uh, Blue Chew, like the color blue, uh, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, it's discreet. Uh, it's easy to get prescription online. Uh, and, you know, there's no no embarrassment if it's going to make the spouse happy, going to make the wife happy. She's certainly not going to be unhappy that uh, you're, you put her first uh, and, and, and do what it takes to make her happy so she can make you happy. Uh, check out... Blue Chew, by all means, uh, pop in the lock for the uh, the uh, promo code and uh, go go to it. Make the wife happy. Um, and obviously, thanks to the folks over at Blue Chew. And look, get yourself the gold jacket. Get yourself the bust. Um, if she agreed to spend this much time with you, obviously she thinks you're the one. So the best you can do is go be a Hall of Famer when the opportunity arises. Thanks to the folks at Blue Chew for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. And not to dig the hole here, um, but we've got we got into this. Look, Greg Joseph, look the, the kicker position last year for the Browns. Yes, it was bad. Special teams were pretty much bad. Punting was almost everything was bad. Special teams wise, you went at, went and you hired yourself a special teams coach, and he pretty much came in and said, "Look, and why you hired him is he's pretty pretty much good everywhere." Um, then he spent a fifth round pick. Um, you know, Greg Joseph. You know, I think he did <laughs> the best he could. and But no, to spend a fifth-round pick, and I will preface this by Greg Joseph, Austin Seibert. This guy's, we, we're going to talk about this, but this has all the feeling of, and I remember last year, Dan Bailey being available, and oh, why aren't the Browns? Could the Browns get him? If there's a guy like Dan Bailey available, neither of these two names are going to matter. You can tell them both, Greg, it's been cool. Austin, it's been real. We're going to get a guy who's done this for 10 years. We'll bring him in. But the kicking competition right now, it's not relatively close. Um, you know, Greg has seemed to grow with a bunch of these young guys. Greg, you know, and this is where it's at now. Obviously, the preseason games are going to matter. But Greg has kind of grown as a bunch of this young talent has grown in this in this facility. Uh, so my whole issue with this weird with this kicker situation is at least right now uh greg joseph is uh, has kicked better uh through otas and now through the early goings of training camp um it struck me as weird that austin or that uh prefer in his introductory press conference said i can fix greg joseph and you're sitting there going, well, that's interesting because that'd be, you know, obviously really helpful. And then uh, you go to the draft, and in the fifth round, you take Austin Seibert, and it's like, huh, maybe he can't fix Greg Joseph. And then we get to it, and at least in the early goings, it's like maybe he's fixed Greg Joseph. And for whatever reason, it seems like the front office didn't listen to him, or wasn't convinced or something and like <laughs> and granted it's early you know it's it's july 30th they don't kick off until september and if austin cybert you know gets going and gets it figured out you know he'll he'll win the job and and that'll be that but you know if if this continues and we're like at the end of this well prefer was prefer was right he could fix him. i mean greg jo- i mean because he's not kick at least so far he's not kicking those knuckleballs that barely got over the uprights is, is, is my understanding. I've been there to see it, but it, they aren't barely making it through. Part of the problem with Greg Joseph is even when he made it last year, it felt like an adventure. And if he's not doing that and he's doing pretty well, 
and this carries over and Seibert continues to struggle and Joseph wins the job, the, you know, the, in addition to the whole, well, you could have done a, B and C with this fifth round pick. It's like, but this guy said he could fix this guy and you guys like didn't listen to him to him. So it's weird. And it's not, it's not the end of the world by any stretch, but it is interesting at least that this guy openly said, I can take, you know, I can fix this. I can take care of this. And, and, and you can take that as coaching bravado or whatever, but if he did it and it worked and you used to draft pick, it just feels a little bit unfortunate. And again, this is the pick that, uh, you got for Josh Gordon, and I've said I will continue to say I don't care if it does anything. I don't care if they like throw it away. Essentially, you know, the, the getting that uh, issue out of the building. It's not just Gordon. It's what Gordon sort of meant to this organization and the the hope that came with him and all the the stuff. It, you know, beyond Gordon the person, it was Gordon the expectation, Gordon the what if, Gordon the gonna save this franchise, and then crush you that he doesn't have that same feeling with the Patriots. Uh, but it, it, you know, it becomes a missed opportunity and just a weird opportunity. Uh, if you listen to what they said, but again, it's early, uh, you know, they could, uh, this whole thing could flip and, and, and cyber could come through and be great at the same time. You know, the other part of this is, you know, hopefully Joseph gets better and can, can, you know, he, he was, done pretty well the last few days. Uh, and if he gets better and better then ultimately they're going to find their kicker and that would be great. Um, you know, I, obviously I'm hoping they use the kicker less and less. Uh, I hope they go for it on more fourths down this year because <laughs> offense, but it's a weird formula to, to get where they hopefully get. It would be even stranger if ultimately at the end of this, they keep neither one and they go with somebody else. But at least right now it's, um, it looks a little sketchy. I mean, you had Dustin Fox tweet out the other day that uh, Cybert looks like a high school kicker. Um, I don't think that was supposed to be a compliment. Uh, so we'll see. Right now it looks sketchy. Uh, I think it helps that so many good things are going on right now that you're not, you know, there's very little, very little traction and getting hung up on the negative stuff. But um, that is something that will have to get sorted out. For me, it's always, um, I will hold the tryout. I will bring in six kickers on a Tuesday. I will always gamble on a guy who plays an actual position and who may not be a part of five, you know, maybe, you know, four snaps at an extra point in a field goal or kickoffs. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to spend a draft choice to light a fire under the kicker's ass. Um, so that's the part for me where whatever it, it just seems pointless and there'll be some teams where you know they don't want to cut a second kick well we got two good kickers but we got to cut one of them whatever then throw them a freaking seventh then do it then you know don't waste a fifth that could be somebody who could turn out to be somebody one day and especially a fifth i mean a seventh i'd almost be okay with it but not a fifth round pick uh Gennard avery was a fifth round pick um so understand it and you know it's just frustrating from that point. And here's the thing. If Greg Joseph is already winning the battle, who's going to get the opportunities most likely in these preseason games? Greg Joseph's going to get the first opportunities. If he makes the kicks in the preseason, then Austin Slaver's here for no reason. It's, you know, and the other thing is, you know, it's a kicker competition, and it seems weird to even have this conversation on it. And, yeah, I'm 100% Pete with you if, uh, look, unless it's, you know, 
fourth and 12, and the ball's on the 18. And maybe we'll kick a field goal, but other than that, man, let's go. I mean, you got this offense, you got the players. Keep this sucker humming and just go with that. Um, bunch of listener questions to get here today, and I appreciate everybody for uh, reaching out here today. As obviously, you know, Lockdown Browns is hitting their 500. And our buddy Stephen Thomas. Um, obviously, Stephen's been on for a bunch. Browns mock draft. Uh, obviously, great dude, fun dude. Uh, probably, I'm sure. I, I know he's on a cruise ship right now. I think somewhere out of Cozumel. You know, telling you know uh, jokes about being married, about having a daughter in college, and and killing it. And God bless you, Steve. Uh, we'll start with this one here uh, from Steve. Uh, bold prediction, Pete, for the 19th season for both of us. From both of us, I should say. Oh, bold prediction. Uh, I will say that between Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, they will uh, stack up 35 sacks. Whoa! Bold. If you want it bold, you got bold. Let's see. Uh, Bold, bold prediction. Odell Beckham Jr. will lead this receiving group in every statistical category and then second place in receptions will be a different person second place in yards will be a different person second place in touchdowns will be a different person and i guess you want to use those names i would you know i guess you're going to filter in landry higgins but it's i i think odell is going to eat and he's going to eat pretty well and he should eat early so there's a bold prediction the other one is there will be defensive touchdowns this year pete and there will be more than freaking one yeah i would i would think so i it just the if, if this defensive I, line, it's not even going to be interceptions there's going to be there's going to be a bunch of strip yeah, sack I, returns i agree I, you know how you know last year for example uh they had any number of fumbles or interceptions that were close. I mean, a good example would be when Emmanuel Agba ended Andy Dalton's season. That that could have easily been a scoop and score. I mean, they were, you know, they were, I think they, they ended up on like the inside the 10. Yep. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of those, but yeah. I think, I, that, I think that led to the Nick Chubb circus touchdown catch. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, if, if Miles Garrett is, is hitting somebody in the blind side or Olivier Vernon is coming coming front side or they both hit and the ball scoot, scoots out and hits hits the ground, um, yeah, I, I, Larry Ogunjobi was robbed from yep. a, a, a touchdown against the Raiders. I mean, they're, they're – uh, if, if they are 15, firing – 15 yards downfield and they call it dead. Yeah, they, they, uh, they were – in multiple positions where they were close last year, if this defensive line is as good as it should be, uh, there are going to be a lot of situations where the ball comes out. It, it, the, the Steelers opening game, they you know Jabril Peppers out at the uh, like two yard line. Yep. Uh, Joe, Joe Schobert. Oh, the uh, Raven game for God's sakes, where Jabril yeah. went a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, that uh, I think more than it's going to be, they're going to have more than what more than one defensive touchdown. It's more like. How the hell didn't they last year, given all the uh, weird circumstances where they had guys in position to score and were either, you know, stopped short or or weird whistles and on, on two situations or whatever? Yeah, they uh, I think the Browns defensive point total is going to be its own sort of interesting thing to watch this year and how often they're able to, uh, you know, put team. How, are we going to have a game where 
theoretically, the defense outscores the, off, the other team's offense, like the Bengals twice. Uh, I mean, uh, that those are two games right now that look like the, the Browns defense could potentially score more points than the Bengals offense does. And, you, and obviously the first Bengal game, the, the, you know, a bunch of guys on the Browns defense said if Demarius Randall didn't step out of ba- bounds to hand the ball to Hugh, he was going to the house. Um, you know, Ward's strip, uh, you know, strip, uh, you know, strip in the fumble against the Jets, which was in the red zone. Another one. Uh, look, that stuff's going to get capitalized on this year. There's just too much talent on that defense. Um, and another one, you know, as Stevens' thread goes on. Um, biggest hits, biggest misses, Pete. From well, I mean, Pete, you've been around for almost all most of these first four ninety nine. I'm going to go with this, and it was. You know, they, well, I, there's a bunch to go with here. I'll go with a miss here. What the hell did this team side Brashard Perriman for? Like, what was this about? And then it was the Chiefs game. Pete, Brashard Perriman made a couple of plays today. And then it was calling for more Brashard Perriman. Um, uh, to give a hit here, Desmond Harrison. We were all over it. it, it, it look, he just never gamble on those type of guys and i'll be honest with this alone we could probably do an entire episode and if maybe we get a boring day where we have nothing one day we could but uh yeah there's definitely been some hot takes that we thought were hot at the time that weren't so hot there were some takes we gave at the time that certainly turned out to be hot pete uh hits uh number 24 (laughs) take too long Uh, (laughs) um Mayfield, Chubb, Okunjobi, Schobert, uh, uh, Joel Petonio. That was before this podcast, but, I mean, as he said himself, he hit the pick right on the number. Um, Wrong position, though. Right. Uh, that is true. Misses, <laughs> uh, uh, we are both wrong on Perryman. Uh, I sold Greg Robinson short initially. I thought, you know, ultimately it was going to make a hell of a lot more sense for him to be a guard. Um, hmm. Am I ever wrong? This is tougher. Uh, I mean, for the most part, I'd say pretty good. Uh, maybe no. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I would love to tell you that I got all these things wrong, but it just it just never happened. So, uh, well, I, I, to, to be fair to Pete, um, the Browns' 2018 draft class made Pete look really, really good Browns wise. Um, whether it was Avery, whether it was Chubb, obviously Baker. Um, Ward, the only issue we really had is we thought he was a little light in the ass, um, but that one actually turned out. But um, as far as what Pete thought of, you know, Brown's targets for the 2018 draft class, that one worked out really, really well. And, um, you know, and, and here's a fun one. Uh, you know, obviously, because uh, some people asked to talk about some of the fun moments, the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle debates that we had, and there would be times where we were just – it was an offensive lineman episode and we found some way to talk about those two. Um, I, look, if you ask me to change it right now, Sony Michelle still dinged up and dealing with injuries. And it's crazy to think because, you know, Nick suffered the most massive injury between the two of them. And it seems like it's a freaking blip on the radar screen now. Um, if you ask me to have one of the two running backs right now for the Cleveland Browns, oh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be Nick Chubb. There's just no doubt about that. Well, I'm, you know, it's the important thing is you're willing to admit you are dead wrong, um, and you know you're you're better for it. Um, Says the guy who eventually came around to a cornerback from Michigan State being the best cornerback in the 2019 NFL draft. We're okay though, Pete. We yang, we yang, we yang, we yang. 
And I heard, you know, I, I, I coach with a Steelers fan who was in the Trobe uh, a couple of days. He, he seems to be impressed with uh, uh, Lane a little bit. Uh, surprise, cer- surprise. Certainly very, very uh, happy with uh, Devin Bush. Uh, so we, we shall see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure there, something I'm forgetting uh, as far as stuff I've gotten wrong, by all means. Flood, uh, flood Jeff or the uh, Lockdown Browns Twitter account to tell me all the things I've gotten wrong that I'm not thinking of. I'm sure somebody's going to tell me how wrong I was about Landry, despite the fact that I had it right, uh, and other things. So, uh, yeah, there's. I'm sure he will not the- put up the statistical numbers he's ever put up before. Check box checked. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, I'm trying to think of like what. Um. You know what? What has been wrong? I'm 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 hoping to get a few things wrong. Honestly, right now, I'm hoping to get uh, the defensive tackle depth thing wrong. Though this is one of those things where I have yet. Maybe it's there, and I just haven't seen it. I don't see anybody even talk about it, um, other than you know Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. I, I I don't hear a lot about anybody at defensive tackle so far, and they've only had a couple of days in pads. Um, I think Jake Burns did something today, and obviously, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll name drop some guys in here who have been, you know, obviously, you know, you know, helpful to the show. Jake had something today where it was a, a depth chart, and it was Daniel Aquale at, you know, the which we learned from Joel Batonio maybe as a, you know, which would put him with, you know, Coley as the second team defensive tackles. Uh, you know, those are names we brought up, but it's, you know, but no, I mean, look, it's you brought in. A couple of guys over Labor Day weekend. You brought in Sheldon Richardson, but we talked about this, Pete, after the after the eight. I mean, we've been on this for almost. It feels like sixteen months now. There's just not enough here, and you know, obviously, they think it's an issue because you're, you know, basically bringing in supermodel defensive tackles just to say, oh, well, I wasn't going to take you out for a real meal, but uh, how do you feel about a quick taco? Yeah, I, I'm hoping we get. I, I hope I'm wrong about strong safety. Um, I, I I hope this setup with Jermaine Whitehead and Eric Murray is is legit. Um, I forgot I, he was the. I, and here's I'm going to go into this one. I just want to jump in real quick. I completely. I was a Jermaine Whitehead fan the year he came out, and I went today and I, I dug in a little bit deeper. I was like, holy crap, this is the dude from Auburn. I liked him then. Um, so it's going to be interesting how it plays out with Whitehead, but you know. And Morgan Burnett, you're talking about a 10-year veteran here, and you know, it, it, and you can say after your ninth year, oh well, it didn't go so well. They weren't using me the way you're using it. It's also part of, uh, well, dude, are you maybe closer to done than you were to being a rookie? Well, the the thing with him that's interesting is, uh, you know, obviously they held him out for a day off, or whatever, but it, you know, he he missed all of mini camp. Uh, I have not. You know, again, I'm not there. Uh, you know, everybody's everybody's not talking about every single player. I haven't seen anything about him actually doing anything so far. So, um, you know, look, he could obviously get back out there and suddenly he's the dude. Uh, but it, so far, anyway, it at least seems like they, Jermaine Whitehead is that that guy right now, and they certainly seem to be very uh, big on this big nickel look, which I'm certainly interested in. I, I, I would have liked it better last year when they had, you know, what I felt like was three better safeties to do it. But, oh, no doubt. You know, it, it's very interesting, but that's the thing. I hope 
Uh, I'm wrong because right now I, I, I've said that strong safety is arguably the weakest position on the team. Um, and, and obviously if they're looking for very specialized positions, there's some very uh, by committee type roles that works out. That's great. But look, I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that they, 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 by, by uh, trading Jabril Peppers, and it's not a question of like, going, oh, well, they shouldn't have traded Jabril Peppers. It's just that Jabril Peppers was really good. Uh, in his second year, and it seemed like he was about to to really uh, come into his own. To go from that to this by committee approach, that's a step back. I mean, they may mask it, they may specialize enough that it really hides their weaknesses in a way that like Bill Belichick would sort of do that with with guys he has. But you know, from talent standpoint, there's no question that it's a big uh, step back to go from Peppers. Uh, to, to these guys. And the flip side of that is basically if you, you know, if you were just to say, well, put Joe Burrow peppers back on this defense, you know, I think a lot of people would be instantly drooling about what this, what this group could do. Um, so th- those are areas where I, I hope I'm wrong because I, I really hope those things are going to work uh, better than, better than my initial hopes are. Cause right now those standardized positions that I think, are going to going to be areas they need to address after this season, and, and obviously that is a part of it. Though, and you know, and sometimes it's well, we have five six guys. Well, you know, can we show me the five six guys and let's break them down individually as it were? Yes, if Jabril was still here, I mean, you were talking about. You're literally talking about probably a top five defense. Uh, last thing from Steven. Um, are you aware that on any of my Lockdown Browns appearances, I was never wearing pants? Steven, I, I, I don't think you've ever worn pants. Uh, I, I, I'm going to wait for confirmation with the picture or whatever. Uh, but Steven Thomas, all the best, bro. Always appreciate you. Um, let's see what else we got here. Why, why are you asking for pic- pantsless Steve pants? No, I want, to see a, I want to see a picture with pants on. I want proof because even like, you know, I see like Steven always puts his stuff up when he's doing his next comedy gig and it's always like a corner eyed selfie just of his head. He may be walking around in boxers 24 seven and God help everybody on that respect. Roll the tape back. It's going to sound like you were looking for some pantsless Steve. Uh, trust me. Nobody wants to. If you get to nobody wants to see any of that. Um, uh, is Pete difficult to servers at restaurants, by the way, congrats, um, from at, uh, Cleveland West. Guys, this is the funniest part of the show, and I've said it a couple times. I'm the difficult one as far as the show. Look, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Pete's always good, like, look, this is where I'm going to be, or, you know, a couple of nights are no good, you know, with, you know, with what he's doing with the coaching, and for me, it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and that can turn into an hour. Uh, if it's really good, if I tell Pete 15 to 20 minutes, it's about 25 to 30. That's a really, really good day. So Pete is really good about that. Um, and I guess I'll just throw this in here. Um, what I've gone through in the last, uh, starting October 20th, um, you know, my brother passed away. And then three days later, even before you know, we had the ceremony, you know, the memorial service of my brother, my, mo- uh, my mother gets in diagnosed with cancer. My wife's a wreck. She's trying to be there for me. But, you know, here it is, like, you can't undo what happened to me. And now here it is with my, you know, my wife and my mother-in-law who's, you know, look, mother-in-laws are pain in the butt sometimes. That's fine or whatever. But she's really, really good to my girls. She is. Um, you know, she she ain't got much, but she will always offer it up to the kids, you know. So dealing with all that. and But Pete, every day, like, Pete was the one I could lean on. And it was like most of the time we'd get on Skype 
and it'd be 10 minutes about me just venting about everything because I didn't want to put any more on my wife's plate because she was dealing with this. Uh, look, Pete doesn't put himself out there like I do. Pete's a good dude. And for, for those of you who don't view it that way because of Twitter or whatever, it's a social media, guys. It's different. Um, so, but, uh, but he got me through a lot. And that was the first DM I got when I put that on Twitter was from Pete. And, you know, we talked to the situation or whatever. And, you know, he's like, well, just let me know about the show. And I was like, no, I need to work. I need to do this. I want to do this. It's going to be escape from everything. Uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore at Browns Maven. Make sure you're following both of those. Brownsmaven.com. Go ahead over there. Set up, you know, uh, become a member. Get into the conversations over there. Look, guys, uh, you know, don't take everything so literally through a social media account. iTunes uh, for the Locked On Browns account. Uh, make sure subscribe, ratings, reviews. Uh, go ahead and throw that on over there and take care of us all in that aspect, guys. To answer the question, no. Uh, I don't really ever put up a fuss in those types of situations with service industry people. Uh you know, they you don't piss off people that are about to bring you food. That's a big, big mistake. But no, it's one of those things where, like, uh, I, I just, you know, I, 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 I sort of understand, you know, the, the situation and, and don't mess with it. Or, or you know, put it another way, I'm not either uh, assertive enough or not enough of an asshole to. Complain, but no, and there are people uh, obviously who know who have gone out with me to various events, and I'm not sitting there complaining to uh, service staff or anything like that. So, uh, no, but that's an interesting question. I, I I'm always fascinated to to find out what people think I do uh, outside of this show. So there, was, there wasn't there was an LOL to it, so he was probably having some fun with it. Um, and actually, well, this comes here. Um, and actually, this carries over. Uh, Terrell Howard, and this is actually going to be kind of funny because um, congratulations to y'all. And I definitely like to know your interests outside of football. That's a tough one, Pete, because we literally just spent about almost every day together for about a year and a half. Um, my girls, their interest, being a dad, uh, stupid stuff, taking them to the mall, uh, taking. Uh, my daughter and two friends to Starbucks and then go standing outside and while they just sit and talk. Um, obviously, you know, co- coaching the soccer teams I do is a huge, huge thing for me. But, you know, this has been, I enjoy this. And to get to talk about football every day, it's fun because it's enjoying for me. And look, uh, to have what's going to be well over a million people in 2019 listening to me talk about football when three people in this house don't want to hear a word I got to freaking say. But look, when you get committed to something, that's what you do. And you know, interests, you know, I, you know I, I love to grill. I love to eat. Pete, if you were given 24 hours away from everything, what the hell is Pete Smith going to do with himself? Um... It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Besides, listen, the cat knocked the ball around the house. Right, like, so, yeah, interest outside of this. Uh, politics is of interest to me. Obviously, people follow my timeline. That's not terribly surprising. Uh, um, movies are always good. Uh, you know, so much of, obviously, because I, I do this uh, now at Bronze Maven, and then I coach, like, a lot of, my, you know, even sort of away from the football sort of gets wrapped up in football sort of in that ancillary way that I'm involved with my players 
you know, what, and they're, you know, it's not just about the sport. Like they, they're, I mean, obviously there's uh, more than football season and certainly everything's sort of through that scope, but uh, you know, you end up getting uh, wrapped up into various things they're doing or keep track of stuff they're doing like that. Uh, so that ends up taking a lot of time, but yeah, I mean, I wish I could say I had some uh, super interesting stuff outside of this. I do uh, various things to sort of keep my, you know, keep my mind off of it, like uh, play some weird uh, games and stuff like that. Uh, I will watch, uh, weirdly enough, I will watch streams of, uh, of, of various games and stuff uh, like that. So, uh, I guess I enjoy like tactical things that, you know, are sort of related in the sense that they are strategic, but that they are not anything like football in that direct sense, but it's more of a getting away from the football, but still keeping my mind thinking type thing. So, uh, trying to think in terms of different, uh, different ways to sort of approach things. So that kind of ends up being it, but no, I mean, for better or worse, uh, we are both, uh, you know, smitten with the sport to the point where it, it's a stupid amount of time, you know, spent. Thank God we get paid for it on some <laughs> level because, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if if not, then you know we've essentially we're essentially uh, volunteering what feels like uh, eighteen hours a day to, uh, on something that that isn't you know giving anything back. And it, it, it'll be it, it'll be these stupidest things, and like the DMs will send each other. Like it, a lot of it is you know confirmation on things we've we've already thought, and then all of a sudden there it is. So you know it, it's usually me. I'll send Pete the DM first because you know whether he's you know with his players or you know you know at school whatever helping out there, and you know and it's ooh, or it's this ooh, and it's always you know and obviously as you guys know like we're big on the look. It's 2019. There's certain things to do. You know, be a good person. You know, keep your hands to your freaking self. Um, with Uber, Lyft, with all that's available to you at DWI. And there's always, you know, we always send these things to each other. And a lot of times it's a, well, we kind of had a feeling that one was a guy who's going to be off the rails. Or, and especially during draft season. And, like, and especially, like, Combine is always a big one. Because we've already had, like, you know, all the Combine shows we did, We've had that 99.9% done before we even hit the record button because it was like, oh, slower than we thought. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And actually, Sioni Taki Taki was one of those guys where it was like, well, wait a minute. Nobody saw this coming. And um, this is one question we did get, and I just want to put this in here. Um, Pete, uh, say, and this was, uh, I don't even have it right now, but Sioni Taki Taki, Mac Wilson hit. And here, the thing is, do you keep Wilkes around, which keeps the four-two-five around? So there's a lot of factors into that. But there's guys we're going to leave. You guys know our stance. You don't want Joe to go, and maybe you do need three because Sioni's limited. But Sioni, Joe, Mac Wilson, would it be really weird? It probably would be if Sioni Taki Taki and Mac Wilson did enough this year where you just said, all right, everybody leave. We've got our two. Um, to me, that's, you know, borderline impossible. Um, you'd, you'd need eight, you'd need 17, 18 weeks before you could even say that's possible. 
But let's let's say for a second that Sione Takitaki is great. He's going to show himself to be the line, you know, the Mike linebacker uh, that's ready to take over, and you know, you want to move him and all that stuff. Uh, and, and you're sitting there going, "Man, Mac Wilson looks better than we thought he would," and all this stuff. Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson are on rookie contracts. You don't need to immediately jump to the conclusion of, "Well, those are," you know, we can't have anyone else good. My whole, maybe this, I'll come up with a better way to talk about this. It's still baseball season, so let's talk about it in those terms. Joe Schobert and his ability in coverage to me is like having a middle infielder with power. You know, it's that, you know, you expect your shortstop to be a good fielder. You expect your shortstop to uh, stabilize the middle infield. You're hoping your, your shortstop can can hit for average a little bit or get on base. And then the Indians are in a, a, a lucky situation where they've got both of those things and he can hit for power. So you're getting the things you expect out of that position and then you're getting this extra thing that makes them super valuable because it's not typical to that position. Joe Schobert does the things he's supposed to. He's a, a rangy middle linebacker that can – uh, cause turn, you know, they can cause turnovers. He can play the run. He can blitz. But what he does in coverage is like Francisco Lindor's power. It's not common. It's something you don't expect, and that makes him extremely valuable. You don't want to give that thing up. You know, having a Mike linebacker who, or or will, as the case may be, you know, if they if they want to do that, having a linebacker that can give you such an advantage in coverage is getting something out of a position you don't normally expect and makes them extremely valuable. It's not to say that Schobert is Lindor because Lindor is obviously a superstar of a sport and it's different at that point, but it's still different. And it's not really a priority when you put those things up. So Joe Schobert gives you, and that's where I would put him above the other free agent guy and that you get free safety, but he's doing the typical, largely typical of being a free safety. JC Treader, I think is a tremendous center, uh, but he's largely, you know, other than maybe his mobility to a little bit, uh, he's largely doing what you'd expect from a center. Uh, you know, if you replace him, you're trying to get basically what he offers at that position uh, up to the same level. If you let uh, Randall go, you're hoping to get a, a free safety that can come in and, and, and do th- some things in coverage and, you know, cause turnovers. If you replace Joe Schobert, you're going to have a bitch of a time finding somebody who can do what he does in terms of impacting the passing game. And that is ultimately where I would rank him ahead of everybody else. And to Joe Schobert, to Kevin Zeitler, to Joel Batonio, to Damian Ratley, um, it, it was nice. It, it's nice to have access to some of these Browns players to come on here and talk a little bit. And, you know, there's more to come. And Joe is going to make an appearance or two here during the season, which I'm excited for. And, look, it's you appreciate guys for what they do. And and this is one thing where some of us give, you guys give us a hard time on Joe Schobert is – you need to view Joe Schobert under football in the 2019 lens. And that's what makes Joe the player that he is. Um, a couple things here before we uh, you know, start getting to our normal end. Um, the post-game, the pre-game show, is what kind of really helped this show really take off. Um, we really did really well on the pre-game shows last year uh, once Pete's uh, you know, high school season ended. 
but the post game shows, you know, uh, and it was even, you know, I remember week one last year. Actually, we, we even started it in the preseason, and I, I think it was week four. It was the Lions game, and he's like, I'm not sure. He's like, dude, I got like this weird summer cold. I'm like, dude, I have two tissues shoved up both nostrils right now. Let's just do it. We did that, and then we talked about, oh, well, Baker Mayfield, all right, we'll see him maybe in a month, six weeks. And then obviously Tyrod and the Jet game, which was, that was it, the Jet game, that Thursday night game. We did the post-game show, and to get to talk about a Browns win after all that time, and it literally just, it blew up from there. And, you know, I, again, you guys along for the ride, we're in, we enjoyed doing it, but that's where it took off. And then obviously, you know, uh, you know as Pete's season was over, we did the, you know, the, the pre-game shows, and obviously we always did the post-game shows, and it just, it blended, and it worked so nicely. And the worst one that I hated was, it was the first Bengals game, and that was my daughter's uh, 12, uh, 12th birthday weekend. I was home, and people like, oh, man, dude, we got so much to do. I'm, like, I'm literally trying to race home on the Garden State Parkway to record this. And then he's like, dude, you about ready? I'm like, oh, well, I got to go on the Lockdown NFL Network. And people like, let's just go already. And, but still, that's, I mean, that's what kind of brought you guys here and has kept you guys here. And, again, cannot be thankful enough. Pete. Anything we've missed, league-wise, Browns-wise, what you got? Uh, I yes, a couple things actually. First, I thought thought of something I was wrong about. I didn't think Odell Beckham <laughs> happened. Um, we we never thought the thing with the Odell Beckham trade is if you had told us that would have gotten you Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I mean, of course, it cost Pete his boy Ed Oliver, which would have never happened anyway, but. If that was the cost, we would have signed off on that. But the the entire talk of it was two round one picks. Uh, well, that I also just I didn't think the Giants would be willing to let him go. But so uh, they're an, they're an absolute shit show, Pete. I try to be clean, really? five hundred, but uh, they're just a shit show. They have no idea what they're doing. Um. So what what are the things that happened that that uh, that is notable? And, and again, this is knock on wood. Hope your guys stay healthy season. Um, obviously, A.J. Green, you know, that news is pretty much out there. Uh, by the way, memo to the Bengals, tear it down. It's over. Just move on. Um, it's not going to get better. The other one that's interesting is uh, L.J. Collier uh, of the, the Seattle Seahawks first-round pick out with the dreaded high ankle sprain. Um, and that is bad, bad news uh, for him uh, and the Seattle Seahawks. They need interior help anyway, uh, and, and that – that is likely going to cost him pretty much, you know, up to the regular season. They'll hopefully get him back. Maybe maybe he'll get it back a little before that. But, um, you know, there are uh, – Browns are, are fortunate in that they are not counting on draft picks to sort of be there and be ready to go in the way that sort of the Bengals were with Jonah Williams or, or the Seahawks are to a lesser extent with LJ Collier. But, you know, there are certainly guys uh, – you know, there are any number of guys or if they lose – you know, said player for a significant amount of time, that's going to hurt him badly. Uh, so, yeah. And that coincides with the Titans, and apparently Derrick Henry right now is in a walking boot. Um, things- and they're missing tackles. They're, 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 they're not only uh, bracing for, uh, you know, whatever happens with Taylor Luan's situation, Jack Conklin's out, and their their third tackle's out too right now. And I don't think any of these injuries are, are, are serious. But if you're trying to get ready for the season, those type of injuries just suck because now you're, you're, you know, Taylor Luan's obviously going to be out there. You're going to get him ready. But 
you're basically on a guy who's probably not going to be there for the first four weeks. And then you're on your, your, your other tackle. Who's not going to be, you, you don't want to play at all. And you're missing your top tailback as you're trying to get ready. And those look, I mean, Marcus Mariota is a guy that they want him to be great, but let's not kid ourselves. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, they are a team who wants to win on the ground and, and up front physically. So that, those are, those are issues that, that hold them back. And, and, and I think if they're on, anyone honest with themselves on that front, it's a bad deal over there. So again, you know, this is knock on wood, uh, fingers crossed, all that type of things. You just, every practice that you get through without an injury is a good thing. And obviously the Browns have their own, uh, with Gennard Avery right now and no real, uh, but we did that. We did this last year with Gennard. It was week three. He got hurt in the week three preseason game and everyone was all nervous. But then, you know, week one, he was out there knocking skulls. True. But I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where well, of you, course, you, it's a, it's something you got to think about. So, you know, those are, those are some big deal injuries going on around the league. Uh, as, as everybody hopes, uh, the Browns can stay healthy and, uh, you know, do what everybody thinks they can do. Uh, so obviously that's where we're at. Pete brought some of the table, but look, uh, anything that's happening to that first six weeks and makes it a little bit easier, which is the difficult and is the tough part of that stress, that stretch, just chef's kiss and just pray for everybody, obviously Browns wise, and make sure that you don't end up becoming one of these where the injury tent is not, not a tent. They got to bring in a freaking goddamn RV to keep all these guys taken care of. Pete Browns Maven, what's the latest? Um, so today I, I wrote, you know, about or I did a article slash video on on, on the, the situation between the Browns and Demarius Randall. Just seems to get basically worse. A goodbye. Basically a goodbye letter. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, and this this is not like either side did something. Uh, it's you, you know you saw you, you see uh, Kevin Byard, who is better than Demarius Randall, signed a deal that's at least nominally worth. $70.5 million and, and Demarius Randall sitting there going, yeah, I'd like to get a, I'd like to get my own big contract. And, and uh, he, he, again, it doesn't make him wrong. It's just his position. He wants to get paid. Uh, he seems very determined to get to the open market. Uh, and, and if he does, I, I think the Browns are going to ultimately lose him uh, and have to replace him. But again, it's like Greg Robinson. These are two guys who I think, you're hoping they crush it. You're, you, you, you know, you, you. In this case, both were acquired for basically nothing. In the case of Greg Robinson, it was you signed him for a minimum deal. He worked, you know, he did great. Well, great in terms of stabilizing, stabilizing the position. Uh, potentially this year could be great. And then Demarius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser, which you know, thinking about that's just insane. Uh, but he came in and stabilized that free safety area, and he, obviously he was. Uh, showed remarkable toughness, caused a bunch of turnovers, had a couple of plays that you know people are going to remember for years and years, obviously handing the ball to Hugh Jackson. But at the end of this year, if it's ultimately those guys are going to walk, as I expect they will, you know, let's basically shake hands. Everything worked out great for both sides, and you understand this is what's going to happen and, and prepare for life after those guys. And, and, you know, the question I asked at the end of the, the piece was, you know, anyone know what Trey Boston is up to? Cause I still wonder if that is a way to sort of a bolster the safety position in the immediate, and then potentially have an answer for after Maria Randall leaves, if that's indeed what's going to happen. Well, there's the two sided approach. There's the Eric Berry, which is 
one side of the front office. There's the Trey Boston, which is the defensive quarter side, defensive coordinator side of it. Um, don't never stop tinkering, and there's certainly some guys that are never going to make this roster. They can move on for or move on from if there's you know something you feel could be a feasible part of what turns out to be the final 53. Um, Guys, uh, 500. Uh, it's been a blast. Um, I, again, it's it, it's fun to do it every day. It's fun that you'll interact, you'll appreciate it, um, and a lot of you have now come around to the fact that you know, look, you understand. Pete and I are going to take each move as it comes. Um, we like this. We love this. And no, uh, hate this. Like it. Love it. Um, it's not that we don't. It's never been a. We don't like John Dorsey. It's never been bring Sashi uh, Brown back. Take everything as it comes, and we try to be fair and objective. And look, a lot of it, it. I mean, we're not stupid. Look how much better this is. We know this, and we the big moves we've been good on. So appreciate that, and let's appreciate this 2019 season. Um, but thanks for everybody for being along for the ride. At underscore Pete Smith uh, at brownsmaven.com. Make sure you're following over there. Um, Brown, I'm sorry, uh, at Brownsmaven, at Brownsmaven.com. Go over there, set up a membership. Uh, Browns fans interacting in the articles, and you know the video, the audio stuff. It's it's mini pods, so you get like simple stuff here. You know, two minutes, Pete's opinion on a move, on a player. Um, so go ahead, interact. You know, and get with the Browns fans over there. Uh, it, it's it's been a fun ride, and I'm enjoying it. You know, if it's 500, let's go to a thousand. Look, I mean this what's about to come nobody's changing here you know mark schofield moved on from lock patriot locked on patriots good friend of mine uh, i have no plans of going anywhere i i am so excited to buckle <laughs> up go ahead what no just the idea that you have to you, you, the idea that you have to talk uh down rumors of leaving the job that's that i didn't expect that that's that's interesting it's like no, a, a dressing, I, I am literally a, buckled up for this um because look uh, if i went I, through owen I, I all, all the cliches I, I want no one has talked to me about this uh, <laughs> i'm very happy in this job right now uh next thing also, you know i'm gonna be doing the uh, i'm gonna be doing the bench presses on the driveway with my agent there <laughs> i can't who's the uh, who's the big florida state uh dude who gets all the coaches uh god what's his face oh uh bus not not bus cook Jimmy Sexton, Jimmy Sexton, uh, you refer all, que- all, all questions about Jeff Lloyd's future with this program to Jimmy Sexton. Um, my agent, she's 12 years old, and she's right now at the mall with a bunch of her friends. So, uh, no, trust me, she's no good. Um, I, I literally, after doing 0-16, you have no idea how excited I am to be buckled up and to go through this. And, you know, with what's been brought in and what's been, you know, drafted in Odell, that's enough to keep me here for guys. That's enough to keep me here for a freaking decade of Odell's here, but uh, it's just that much fun and and to see and one of the reasons why I took this was it was a franchise with no direction and had all the capital to turn it around and they actually did. So uh, that's where we were at. Um, I guess we'll close it here. That's Benny Odell's delivery of all things Dog Pound, episode five hundred. LGB on the LOB. Uh, look, I, guys, I can't thank Pete enough. Um, I needed somebody who knew this organization better than me because he's been around it a lot longer. And it, it started a fun relationship. One day, Pete and I will meet, and 
I don't know how it's going to work out because it might be the most awkward meeting that turns into a really good time. Uh, Pete will get his gin and tonics. Somebody bring me a whole bunch of Miller Lights, and we'll have a really, really good time. Pete's going to eat some ham, and he's going to enjoy the living hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, look if if you uh, if you cook it up and there's some bread there, we can we can ham it up. Uh, if that you know if you're, if you're that desperate to show off your sandwich making skills, uh, you know we'll get you a sandwich making artist button uh and all that stuff but other than that i i would think you'd want to uh show off actual good meat making skills but listen you're a man who likes a challenge and wants to try to make miracles as opposed to uh taking good and making it great and here's me forever alley-ooping to the five foot eight guy or whatever but i appreciate it it's cool um <laughs> and with that we're gonna put a bow on this uh everybody uh look we'll get back to business as normal tomorrow and look, and you know, obviously, you know, just so much more coming at it now, and you know, obviously, with everything coming on, you know, it, players, talent, coaches, let's just enjoy the ride. Thank you, everybody. Episode five hundred, locked on Browns. We are.